Luke 22, verses 63 to 65. The men who were guarding Jesus began mocking and beating him. They blindfolded him and demanded, Prophesy, who hit you? And they said many other insulting things to him. Hi everyone, welcome to our online service. It's great to have you join in again this week. Well, we're in a sermon series on the servant songs from the book of Isaiah. And the servant songs, as we've been seeing, are prophecies about Jesus written some 700 years before he stepped into history. And they predict with incredible detail the uh, salvation that he has come uh, to bring for us. Uh, they also describe uh, in an amazing way the, the way Jesus is with his people, uh, the way he is particularly with uh, broken sinners. And uh, that's especially the case with the third servant song that we're looking at today. So it's found in Isaiah chapter 50, uh, verses 4 to 11. And uh, we're going to read that now. So if you've got a Bible, uh, open it up to Isaiah chapter 50. Um, but before I read that, I'll pray. Let's come before God. Oh, Lord God, we come to you today to praise you. We come with thanksgiving. Uh, we come before you with joy and gladness. You are the true and living God, and you are our God. You are the source of all good things. You are the source of truth and beauty and justice and mercy. You are the source of all wisdom and goodness, and you are the source of love. And as we come to hear your word today, Father, we pray that you would enable us to do that with humble hearts that tremble at your word. May you give us an attitude of reverence and awe that you are the God who speaks, the God who teaches, and the God who sanctifies us through your word. Oh, Father, we acknowledge that we cannot understand spiritual truth without the work of your Holy Spirit. And so may he work in our minds today. We pray that he would remove any darkness that, that permeates our minds and that he would shine uh, your light upon your word. We pray that we would see your glory revealed uh, in the face of your son, Jesus Christ. And we pray this in his name. Amen. Well, let's hear from God's word. Uh, the reading is from Isaiah chapter 50, verses 4 to 9. Okay, this is the word of God. The sovereign Lord has given me a well-instructed tongue to know the word that sustains the weary. He wakens me morning by morning, wakens my ear to listen like one being instructed. The sovereign Lord has opened my ears. I have not been rebellious. I have not turned away. I offered my back to those who beat me, my cheeks to those who pulled out my beard. I did not hide my face from mocking and spitting. Because the sovereign Lord helps me, I will not be disgraced. Therefore I have set my face like flint, and I know I will not be put to shame. He who vindicates me is near. Who then will bring charges against me? Let us face each other. Who is my accuser? Let him confront me. It is the sovereign Lord who helps me. Who will condemn me? They will all wear out like a garment. The moths will eat them up. Who among you fears the Lord and obeys the word of his servant? Let the one who walks in the dark, who has no light, trust in the name of the Lord and rely on their God. 
But now all you who light fires and provide yourselves with flaming torches, go walk in the light of your fires and of the torches you have set ablaze. This is what you shall receive from my hand. You will lie down in torment. This is the word of God. One of the devices that storytellers sometimes use to carry forward a plot in the story is to narrate the thoughts of the main character. And it's a unique perspective because it actually gives us access into something that we normally don't have access to, and that is the thoughts of a person. And uh, that's what this third servant song does. Uh, Here we get Jesus from the inside. Uh, We get to hear his thoughts. We We see here what drove him, uh, what excited him, uh, what the focus of his life was. Uh, Here, in this third servant song, we see from the inside what makes Jesus the true servant of the Lord. And that's what this third servant song is all about. Now, in the context of Isaiah, this third servant song, uh, like the others, the servant is put in stark contrast to the unfaithful servants of the Lord, that is God's disobedient people. Uh, Remember last week we saw that the background to much of what Isaiah says in the second part of his book is the exile, the the exile in Babylon. Uh, The exile came about because because God's people disobeyed God and refused to repent. And so how how could this disobedient people who have been cut off from God, how can they now return to the Lord? How can they be reconciled to the God that they have rejected? What is God's answer Uh, to his unfaithful servants? His answer is the faithful servant, the true servant, uh, the true servant who who would put everything right between God and his people once again. And so the third servant song is showing us the faithful servant, that Jesus is the faithful servant. Uh, Now, if you have a look at the passage, it actually has two parts to it. Uh, In verses 4 to 9, the servant speaks. Here we get to hear the servant's thoughts. And then in verses 10 to 11, uh, we have a call to respond. Okay, so the servant speaks and then we're called to respond. So let's look at these two parts. So first in verses 4 to 9, we have a picture of what a true servant of the Lord looks like. And two things are brought out in particular here. Uh, The first one is that the servant is a model disciple. A model disciple. See, that's here in verse 4. Let's look at verse 4. It says, The sovereign Lord has given me a well-instructed tongue to know the word that sustains the weary. He wakens me morning by morning, wakens my ear to listen like one being instructed. Now notice the two references in that verse to being instructed. Uh, the, the Hebrew word for instructed, it's the same word that's translated disciple in other places. Uh, and uh, it's interesting because we know that Jesus had disciples whom he instructed. And yet here we learn that he is the true disciple uh, because a disciple is someone who listens carefully to their teacher uh, in order to master their teacher's instructions. And who was, 
who was Jesus' teacher? Well, he says, the sovereign Lord. The sovereign Lord instructs him. And so morning by morning, every single day, as Jesus woke up, where did his mind go to? Straight to his Father's word. He embodied the truth that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Now, there is some mystery here uh, in calling Jesus a disciple who learned uh, because, well, Jesus is God in the flesh. He is the divine son, the second person of the Trinity. And so in his divinity, he knows everything. And yet here we see in his humanity that he learned and grew uh, as a man. Uh, Luke 2, chapter 2, verse 52, it says that he grew in wisdom and in stature with God, oh, sorry, and in favour with God and man. So Jesus, as he grew, he would have learned the scriptures. Uh, he, he would have spent time each day uh, meditating on the scriptures and, and memorising them and understanding them. Uh, you see, they didn't have Bibles back then to carry around. Uh, they, if they wanted access to God's word, they'd have to go down to the local synagogue to where the scrolls were and spend time memorising the scriptures, uh, reciting them over and over again so it became memory. And it's pretty clear from all the accounts that Jesus did memorise the whole Hebrew scriptures. But he not only memorised it, he mastered it. He, he, you know, he learned all the connections and all the implications. He connected all the dots. He understood all of the applications. And, well, the more he mastered it, the more he saw himself in the scriptures because all scripture is about him. And so Jesus shows us that a, a faithful servant is one who lives and breathes the scriptures. And it's because of that that he's described as one who knows the word that sustains the weary. So the weary, we've already come across the weary in the servant songs. Uh, the weary are those who are beaten down by the, the brokenness of this world. Uh, the weary are those who, who know their sin, who, who are broken over their sin and who, who are feeling the effects of sin in the world and they're beaten down by it. But Jesus knows the word that sustains the weary. And if you think about it, that's probably the greatest skill there is. It's probably the most elusive skill too, to be able to sustain the weary with a word. I mean, have you ever tried to comfort someone who is grieving, only to find that your words just seem so hollow and empty? Uh, maybe they sound to you, like you know, as they're leaving from your mouth, they just sound so cliche. And sometimes we can even add to someone's grief as we're trying to comfort them. Or have you, have you ever tried to help someone who's depressed only to make them feel more depressed? Or have you ever tried to help someone who is spiritually stuck only to just make them feel condemned? See, it's very hard to find the right words. Uh, you know, we tend to err in one of two ways. We either uh, use the truth like a club or you know, like a child trying to whack a piñata, you know, words going everywhere. Or if we don't do that, then we tend to err on the side of just saying nothing. You know, we're too scared that maybe we'll say the wrong thing or maybe we'll say the right thing, but say it in the wrong way. And so we just say nothing. But Jesus, he knows how to sustain with a word those who are weary. And uh, this actually reminds us of the first servant song where it says a bruised reed he will not break and a smouldering wick he will not snuff out. 
It also reminds us of another title that, from Isaiah that Jesus owns, Wonderful Counselor. Jesus is the Wonderful Counselor. Uh, in his life on earth, he, he constantly healed people through his words. Not just uh, physical healing, like doing a miracle, but spiritual healing as well. He, he was able to heal people with his words. Uh, people were often amazed at the gracious words that came from his lips. And he was able to enter into conversation with people and draw them out to help them see their spiritual condition and to do so without crushing them, but rather leading to healing them. Uh, Jesus was able to speak truth that's as sharp as a double-edged sword and yet to do it with all the precision of a surgeon's scalpel so that it would lead to that deep spiritual healing. And, uh, do you know, he continues to sustain his people today with his word. Uh, he, because he says, he, he invites, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. So he invites us uh, to be sustained by his word. And so if you're weary today, if you're weary, you need the word of the wonderful counsellor. You need the sustaining word of the wonderful counsellor. And where do you find his words you find them in the Bible because all of Scripture is the Word of Christ. And see, when you bring your weariness to Jesus in His Word, you know, whether that's weariness over the way you've sinned or weariness over the way the world is at the moment or perhaps you're feeling weary because of a physical ailment or some disability, some struggle that hasn't gone away, or maybe you just feel weary because this pandemic just seems to be dragging on too long. But when you bring your weariness to Jesus in his word, his word comes alive. Now, surely you've experienced this before, uh, where you know, even just a verse becomes like a lifeline uh, in that struggle. Or maybe like the way um, just a single passage can, can become like a treasure trove of encouragement and support and strength. In your weariness, surely you've experienced that. So what is that? That is Jesus sustaining you with a word. He keeps doing that today. And so Jesus, he lived and breathed the scriptures. That's what made him the model disciple. Um, but the other thing that stands out in this passage about Jesus is his obedience to those scriptures. Uh, he, Jesus never fell into the trap that James warns us about, you know, being uh, hearers, but not doers. No, no, Jesus obeyed God's word perfectly and fully. Uh, and the proof of his obedience, according to this passage, is his suffering. So you have a look at verses um, 5 and 6. Verses 5 and 6 says, The sovereign Lord has opened my ears. I have not been rebellious. I have not turned away. I offered my back to those who beat me my cheeks to those who pulled out my beard. I did not hide my face from mocking and spitting. Now, strangely, these verses say that his suffering was something that he sought out. Uh, it's as if he recognized that his sufferings were actually the very thing that his father had prepared for him to do. And even though it involved beating and... and uh, uh, even though it involved torture and humiliation, not once did he recoil. Uh, 
because he accepted it as the will of his father. Now we'll see why in the next servant song, in the, the last one. Um, but verse 7 goes on to say that he set his face like flint to go through with this suffering. And that's actually the saying that Luke, the gospel writer, picks up on when he describes that point at which Jesus began his journey to Jerusalem. We actually looked at this uh, back in January. But it was a journey that Jesus began heading to Jerusalem and it would take him all the way to those events on Good Friday. In fact, the fulfilment of verse 6 in this passage is actually in Mark's gospel, in Mark chapter 15, verse 17. And here we read that the soldiers put a purple robe on him, then twisted together a crown of thorns and set it on him. And they began to call out to him, Hail, King of the Jews. Again and again, they struck him on the head with a staff and spit on him. Falling on their knees, they paid homage to him and when they had mocked him, they took off the purple robe and put on his own clothes on him. Then they led him out to crucify him. It was unthinkable suffering. But Jesus understood that this was all according to the will of his father. And so he obeyed. He went through with it without any retaliation, without any protest. He did exactly what his father willed without any hesitation. And in a way, this is actually extremely confronting, particularly as we think about what real obedience to God actually looks like. Uh, because in our comfortable lives in the West, uh, you know, obedience to God is rarely a life and death issue. And so you'd think that we would have no trouble with obedience. That's, it would be something that we can easily do. And yet, what do we see in our lives? We see that there is something desperately wrong with our hearts because we do have a problem with obedience. Uh, so often obedience to God falls into second place to convenience. You know, is it convenient right now to obey? Or often obedience be, is subject to our feelings. You know, I don't feel like obeying God right now. But what does obedience to God look like? Well, we see it perfectly in Jesus. Obedience to God looks like this. I will do what you say without excuse without justification without challenge without delay i will do whatever you say see jesus never gave up he never backed down he never caved in he obeyed to death that is the faithful servant now verses 7 to 9 reveal the source of jesus strength uh, in this um, obedience uh, so if we look at that uh, verse 7, because the sovereign Lord helps me, I will not be disgraced. Therefore, I have set my face like flint, and I know I will not be put to shame. He who vindicates me is near. Who then will bring charges against me? Let us face each other. Who is my accuser? Let him confront me. It is the sovereign Lord who helps me. Who will condemn me? They will all wear out like a garment. The moths will eat them up. See, Jesus knew that he had done nothing to deserve this suffering, that he was innocent, that despite the accusations that no one could charge him with wrongdoing, and yet he didn't take it upon himself to prove his own innocence. Instead, he entrusted himself to God, he entrusted himself to God to judge and, and to God's timing, and that was the source of his strength. See, that's a picture of perfect rest 
in the sovereignty of God. And so that's what it looks like to be a true servant of the Lord. That's what it looks like to be a faithful servant. Jesus is the one who lived and breathed the scriptures and who obeyed them perfectly. Now, why is this so important? Why is it such a big deal that Jesus has a perfect record of obedience? Why? The reason is, is because he cannot do what the fourth servant song says he does unless he is the righteous one. He cannot fulfill the fourth servant song unless he fulfills the third servant song. Or to put it another way, he can't be an atoning sacrifice for our sin unless he is the obedient servant who fulfilled all righteousness. And so we need to actually pause here for a moment and just stop and look at Jesus. Look at his obedience. Look at the the, the determination that he had to do everything that the Father willed for him, despite how hard that was. Look at his obedience. Look at his willingness to even suffer for our sake. See, take a good hard look at Jesus' obedience because that is what your eternal salvation depends on. Now think about the day that you die and, and face God as your judge. What will you say to God on that day? Will you say, well, look at all these good works I've done. Surely that means I'm fit for heaven. Will you say that? Of course not. Our obedience is faltering at best. No, no, our only boast on that day will be the righteousness of the servant. It will be the good works of Jesus. His good works are my salvation. That's why we sing songs like, uh, Bold shall I stand on that great day, and none condemn me, try who may, fully absolved through, through Christ I am from sin and fear and guilt and shame. That's why we sing, uh, Clothed in His righteousness alone, therefore faultless to stand before the throne. See, praise God for the obedience of Jesus, the faithful servant. That's what this song is all about. So that's the first part. Now we come to the second part, and this is in verses 10 to 11. And here we have a call to respond. Okay, so we've seen that Jesus is the faithful servant. He obeyed the law of God perfectly. That qualifies him to be the saviour, how should we then respond? Well, verses 10 and 11. And it all comes down to a, a choice that we all have to make. There's a choice here, and if you look at the start of verse 10, you can see it. And it says, Who among you fears the Lord and obeys the word of his servant? Now, this is a very surprising question because, uh, well, we've just seen that the servant is the model of obedience. And yet this is saying that we need to obey the servant. So the model of obedience now becomes the one we must obey. And uh, if you notice the way that Isaiah puts that verse, who among you fears the Lord and obeys the word of his servant? Notice how he's putting those two things on the same level. To fear the Lord is to obey the servant. To obey the servant is to fear the Lord. It's because the servant and the Lord are one. The servant is the Lord. So what is the necessary response to the servant though? It's obedience. That is, give your life over to him. Submit to his authority. Put yourself under his rule. And Isaiah uses a 
a really helpful illustration to help us understand what it actually looks like to obey the Lord Jesus. And uh, it's the illustration of walking in the dark. So have a look at verse 10. Uh, He says, Let the one who walks in the dark, who has no light, trust in the name of the Lord and rely on their God. Have you ever been to, or have you ever played that game, um, a game of trust, maybe in youth group, where you're blindfolded and you have to walk through an obstacle course um, and the only way you can get through the obstacle course is by listening carefully as someone guides you by their voice. See, that's, that's actually the, the illustration that Isaiah is using here. You know, let the one who walks in darkness, who has no light, trust in the name of the Lord. Now, sometimes giving, when you give your life over to Jesus, sometimes it actually feels like walking in the dark. It feels like you're blindfolded walking through an obstacle course because you can't see where it's taking you. You don't know what unconditional obedience will lead to in life. And so how do you get through? How do you move forward the obstacle course of life? The answer is you listen to the word of the servant. You listen to Jesus. You obey his voice. And the reason we can do that is because it says, uh, let him trust in the name of the Lord. See that? Uh, There in verse 10, let him who trusts in the name of the Lord and rely on their God. See, the name, the name stands for who he has revealed himself to be. And in the first part of the servant song, what have we seen? That Jesus is the faithful servant. He's the one who never gave in, never backed down. He's the faithful one who we know we can trust. We can trust because he obeyed to death for us. And so we know we can trust him. And that means we can know that even through all the obstacle course of life, we don't know where we're going, but we know we can rely on him. We know that he will guide us through his word. And so we listen to him and do what he says. And that's actually how we demonstrate our gratitude for what he has done to save us. But what's the alternative to following Jesus like that? The alternative is lighting your own fires. Well, that's what Isaiah says. Uh, have a look at verse 11. But now all you who light fires and provide yourselves with flaming torches, go walk in the light of your fires. So to light your own fire here is talking about um, self-rule. It's talking about instead of following the light, the light of the world, Jesus, instead you find your own source of light. You find your own source of of uh, truth and so to light your own fire is a metaphor for trying to retain control of your own life you know of you trying to stay in the driver's seat of determining your own life yourself and so what Isaiah is describing here with this picture of lighting your own fire he's describing essentially what sin is because sin is saying I want to rule my own life Sin is saying, I will decide what is right and wrong for myself. I don't need someone to tell me what to do. I will decide for myself. That's that's what sin is. And that's what Isaiah is describing. And what that actually is, is putting yourself in the place of God. Sin is saying, I want to be my own God. But it's absolutely deadly. You know, like the saying that we have, um, uh, if you, um, those who play with fire eventually get burned. And that's what verse 11 goes on to say, because look at that last line in verse 11. 
This is what you shall receive from my hand. This is God speaking. You will lie down in torment. Eternal death. That's what sin brings. That's what sin deserves. And so the most important choice that we have in life is this one in verse 10. Who among you fears the Lord and obeys the word of the servant? Have you given up trying to rule your own life? Have you given your life over to Jesus? Have you submitted to him as your king? Or are you trying to hang on to your own self-rule? You know, Proverbs 16.25 is a very good summary of what um, verse 10 and 11 are saying. Because Proverbs 16.25 says, There is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end it leads to death. Jesus is the light of the world. Jesus is the eternal life. He's the source of eternal life. You know, he alone kept the law of God perfectly. He alone earned, earned eternal life through his obedience. And he does that on behalf of everyone who gives up trying to rule their own lives, who gives up living for self and for sin, and who turn and put their faith in him and trust in his obedience for salvation. That's why Jesus did it. That's why he's the faithful servant. Now, next week, we're going to see how far his obedience took him. We're going to see what he had to endure in order to take away our sin. And so I hope you can join us next week as we look at the last and the climactic song in this series of servant songs uh, where Jesus offers himself as a sacrifice to pay for us. So I hope you can join in then. But anyway, Jesus... The faithful servant. Jesus is the servant for the weary. Give your life over to him. Put your life into his hands. Amen. Well, let's um, come before God in prayer. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for Jesus. We praise you for his perfect obedience. Oh Lord, we see in him what it actually looks like to live faithfully before you. And when we compare our own lives to his life of righteousness, we do see how far that we fall short of your standard. We see in Jesus that he never caved in, despite how hard it was for him. He never once backed down. And yet we admit, Lord, that we so easily crumble under pressure. Too often we would sooner deny you than face the humiliation that sometimes comes our way for standing up for your truth. We see in Jesus how he never gave in to temptation, and yet we acknowledge, Father, that we so easily give way to that pressure. Uh, we confess that we have disobeyed you in so many ways. And we ask that you would forgive us for this. Forgive us for turning away from you. Forgive us for throwing it in when it gets hard. Forgive us for failing to cry out to you and for failing to take hold of that grace that you promise is always available in our time of need. But we thank you, Father, that through the perfect life of Jesus through his record of obedience that he was able to offer himself as a lamb without blemish for our sin and to pay that punishment that we deserved. We praise you that because of his record of righteousness that's given to us by faith that we can now know that we are forgiven, that we stand righteous in your sight. And we praise you, Lord, for the confidence that we have of eternal life we thank you for the joy that we have in knowing that you love us forever and that we thank you for the peace that we have in our hearts, uh, this wonderful gift that can never be taken away. And we're so thankful for Jesus. 
Oh Lord, we pray that the work of Christ would be the delight of our hearts, that we would overflow with gratitude. We pray that living for Jesus and obeying him would be the joy of our hearts. We pray that we would live like him, that morning by morning we would listen to your word like one being instructed. We pray that we would take all of our weariness to him uh, and that we would find the rest for our weary souls that he promises. Father, we pray that you would work in our lives so that we would be equipped uh, like Jesus to sustain others who are weary, that we would be skilled in speaking your word, uh, that our words wouldn't come across as empty, but rather that we would be able to lift people up and encourage them and help them to turn to Christ. Father, we pray for those who are weary today. We pray for those with ongoing health struggles. Uh, we pray for those with family struggles. And we pray, Lord, for those who are struggling with the changes in society due to the coronavirus. Lord, may your word comfort and strengthen. Uh, may you lift us up by your grace. We pray that you would also be with our leaders, that you would give them wisdom as they uh, lead in this country. We pray that uh, you would protect us as well. And we pray all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I'll receive the blessing from the Lord. Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28. Uh, Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for yourselves. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I'll see you next time.